Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to the Hollowdale Media Podcast. Rob, something very sad has happened. We're living in dark days. What, what, what's happened? Well, for those who are using this podcast as a time capsule, uh, Neighbours just ended. I know. An Australian cultural classic, which I think we more inherited than they did. I think it became more of an English thing than an Australian by the end. Yeah, it's as big, yeah. Well, but we're kind of, it's leaked, a bit of it has leaked, a sinew has come out. I saw an article somewhere, but apparently a neighbour's character is going over to EastEnders. Oh, <laughs> no way! Which means that the world... Character, not actor as well. The character. Oh my I think, god. I think I saw that come up somewhere. So someone correct me if I'm wrong. <gasps> but they've leaked, so neighbours is still alive in the EastEnders universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, I didn't know that. Yeah, so it lives on. Did you see any of the last episode? I tried to put it on at work, but there was no signal, it was just flickering. I saw someone, there was a little argument going on on Ramsey Street. Man, I watched, I've, I haven't even seen the full episode. I've seen the ending and a couple of bits here and there. And it was enough to make me a bit sad. I saw Guy Pearce in it. And I know Kylie came back, didn't she? Kylie came back, Jason Donovan's back. Um, there's a really awful, awkward scene with uh, Natalie Imbruglia and Holly Valance. Oh no. It's so bad. Oh really? It's so bad. Sorry, I'm not eavesdropping it. Yeah, I am. Is that Carl Kennedy? Uh, I think so. I'm on a Facebook page of the street where I used to live. Ramsey Street. I used to live on that street too. No way. Yes, number 26. Well, mainly number 26. I was 24. I actually lived at 26 as well. What? <laughs> what are the chances? Oh, so many happy memories. Marco Robbie had a little FaceTime moment. Okay, so they shoot, so they got her, they made a quick phone call to Los Angeles and got her to pop up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if Sky was in it. Do you remember Sky? No, I, I, to tell you the truth, I didn't watch, I mean, I might have watched it a couple of times when it came on. When, it was, when I was a kid, I watched it all the time. Then I stopped. And then as a teenager, Josh will remember Sky. We sort of started watching it again, and we were like, "Oh, oh, 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 it's nice. oh. so you were, you were Sky teenage stuck, boying over for this. some reason. The sky stuck out to us, mm. but yeah, I don't think she was in the reu- reunion. But I do think it's a shame, though, that uh, the neighbours is famous for being a little bit mad. Yeah, and I do think it's a shame it didn't end with. There's an episode where it all went mad and kicked off and everything went crazy, and at the end of the episode. It was revealed that it was the dog bouncer's dream. Whoa, that's on a whole nother level. Right? Sorry, when you say the dog bouncer. The dog, it was called bouncer. Ah, I was going to find, I was, I was yeah, wondering if there was a, ba- a dog yeah. <laughs> in a big Your face offends my mirror, you can't see the bouncer. Yeah. Let's see if we can find a quick picture of bouncer. Yeah, ah. And he does flash up in the episode as well. That's good. Is he stuffed? Is he like rowdy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's staring off uh, snakes in his stuffed form. Yeah. So it's a shame that the whole thing didn't end and it didn't just cut back to Bouncer in 1996. Or no. Yeah, that would have been that would have been the best twist <laughs> ever. I'll tell you what else is the end of an era. England's not winning any trophies for ages. Because we've won the Euros. The right. women have won the Euros. The women, I well, I wasn't, I wasn't going to specify England. No, have won. This is the key thing. The this Euros. is really key because the women were ignored for years because the men's real football, but the men 
can't win nothing. Ah, women brought it home. The women have brought it home. Yes, it's a happy time. It's a happy time indeed. That's why we're recording so late. Yes, um, Rob's got his traditional tired face on. But it's fine. I was woken up by the film that we just watched. <laughs> yes. Yes. Should we get into it? Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's go straight full barrel into Bill Tippett's Mad God. years in the making crazy do you remember how everyone banged on about boyhood yeah 12 years 12 12 years it's like a week to this guy man so there's one scene i just read there's one scene which took them three years to shoot it's probably about 12 seconds with the yeah where they used melted army men to to do something there's yeah well yeah let's not blow their minds straight off the bat tell us what you see when the film opens, well, so it's a structure. It's like a structure leading up into the sky. It's quite a Gilliam-esque shot of like little tiny che- cheering people going up this sort of coney, ginormous building that then gets smothered in smoke. And then the next scene is we see this diving bell being lowered into this kind of World War Two hellscape, big. Machine gun turrets pop out from the floor. Yeah, barbed wire, rusty guns. Yeah. Even the the spotlight operators aren't people. They're like cyborg, mutant, robot freaks. Yeah. It's a most That could well be the alternative title of the film. Yeah. <laughs> Straight off the bat, it's a motive of the what you kind of perceive from the horrors of war. Kind of mixing the war of the 20th early 20th century with yeah futuristic tech and yeah i mean man this film so phil tippett just to in case you're not clued in on the name you may have heard it he is the world-class animator big daddy of stop motion he so famously he did stuff like the uh, the chess monsters in star wars the Tauntaun, all the stop-motion animals in the original Star Wars films. He then went on to do Jurassic Park. Yeah. But that went weird. He uh, he was working through it, and I don't think they were really happy with what these... Because they were originally going to do stop-motion and try and make it as good as possible. Then these two wizards, I can't remember their name, they started playing around with, uh, with their computers, and they came up with... They made a T-Rex skeleton and made it walk. Mm. And 
they just had it on when these exactly. I think Kathleen, it might have been Kathleen Kennedy. No, I, I can't remember. Someone walked in. Someone big. Could have been her. Yeah, it might have been her. Someone walked in and saw that on in the background. This T Rex walking on the screen, and she said, "What is that?" That was the moment where. As far as Phil Tippett was concerned, he believed that stop motion had become obsolete, and um, yeah. the shift happened just like that. And all of a sudden, they put, they went down that route, and, and the rest is history. CGI became a new thing. But so that was the turnaround. Before then, I just realised, yeah, he did Robocop, Ed Two Hundred Nine, one of the best things ever. Howard the Duck, he did a bit on, and then after this Jurassic Park turnaround, he took up CGI, famously as well. We've said it before, we've said it a hundred times. Bug War! Bug he, War. He was the animator of the Starship Troopers Arachnids, which still to this day look better than anything else. I never knew that, and I feel like that's something that both of us should know. I, know, I never knew he had involvement on Starship Troopers. I know he, had, he has such a uh, diverse, you know, you've got Indiana Jones in there, like, but Starship Troopers, man. That's... Well, you can see it, if you sort of think... You can totally see that he's got... Whoever did Starship Troopers must have had knowledge of the old way because it's such a perfect blend of CGI models and hero scale monster... Yeah. You know, puppetry. Because it's so seamless. Mm. You can only... I think you can only do that if you've already got all of those levels and you're already brilliant. Uh, it's one of those things that just looks and continues to look amazing. He then went on to do Evolution... Did all the monsters in evolution? Yeah. Uh, he did. Uh, then he did Twilight. He's always been a consultant on Jurassic Park and then Jurassic World. Dinosaur consultant. This guy is just incredible. Regardless of where you stand when you watch this film, there can be no denial that he's a genius. He's uh, well, a, yes. He's an absolute genius. Um, apparently, he started doing something that became Mad God back in 1990 when he was working on Robocop 2. Yeah. So that's 32 years ago, at least. And, yeah, and he stopped working on it. All of his confidence was sucked out with the whole thing he went through of Jurassic Park. And then it became a thing that he kept picking up and going back to and working on over 30 years. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah, apparently he gave it up and his team bullied him into doing it again. Yeah. And he can sort of... I mean, before we go back into the film, you can see why... But at the same time, you can also see why he ended up in a psych ward. Yeah, oh, oh my god, yeah. So Sorry. Phil Tippett really is the, the definitive troubled artist. Yeah, you kind of, you piece it together and you can't help but perceive him as a sort of Van Gogh kind of, yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of guy. No, absolutely. He raised $124,000 on Kickstarter for this, which apparently got him about halfway through. Yeah. And then he did the rest up. Yeah. It's just madness. But yeah, I mean, coming back to what we see in the film, we, we begin to see layers upon layers of destruction and chaos. We go through the World War Zone. We go through layers of bones and skeletons and this real... ancient forgotten treasure. Yeah. As we were watching it, we were kind of thinking, is it, an ode? Is it like a nod to Dante's Inferno? Um... It was, and, and the big, I mean, my personally, my favourite part of the film, or my favourite sort of act, if you will, was definitely the first assassin, his journey, 
mm. from you know from his diving bell up until his fate, if you will. Which so was yeah, the, the first as- third of the film was the it? assassin character is in the diving bell, and when it it sort of lands on a ruined cityscape, and out comes this sort of World War Two gas mask wearing uh, Tommy sort of uniform, and yeah, and he's holding a briefcase, and that, that's when that's our first exposure to this wider world. And it's just him, and it's worth pointing out, there's no dialogue. This is all grunts, animal noises, and weirdly ethereal music. Yeah. You're saying, Uh, what were you saying before, visually it looks like a metal music cover. Yes, exactly that. um, There was a decision made with with, with scoring it, I think, where you you watch it and it, it looks like a metal cover, it looks like sort of death metal album artwork. And you would kind of, I imagine there's an option to put really heavy on the nose music on it, which would be the complete wrong decision because it, it just it would just tell you too much about, oh yeah, you're meant to be horrified by this. But instead, the music's quite ethereal and gentle. And there's a lot of uh, acoustic guitar early on. Yeah, which is quite, it's actually really relaxing and nice because that's the music does change for where he is. So when you, he first lands on this ruined cityscape is kind of classic guitar and it kind of feels nice there's a few quirky jokes actually worth saying there is there is a dark humour throughout the film yes we did laugh quite a lot oh my god yeah with the film like it was encouraging us um, but as he descends the music changes and the visuals change and things become much more big and grotesque and yeah there was a point when we we're like, oh, I want to go back. I want to go back to the city. The so he's walking through the levels and he gets to this kind of warehouse of hell. What you described as if a health and safety inspector died and he'd been a bad person <laughs> in life, he'd be sent to this place. You've got all of these kind of. Okay, so there's a bunch of. I don't want to spoil too much. There's a bunch of guys with uh, helmets on being electrocuted and they're taking dumps and the dumps get fashioned into these soulless... Well, no, these... Well, souls, right? These walking corpses. Yeah, somewhere between a walking corpse and a scarecrow. Yeah. Sort of made of... We can only assume made of the poo from the giants being electrocuted. The poo from the giants being electrocuted. They're they're faceless but they do kind of make noises and they they are working in this this underground hell factory where big blocks are being moved and where they have different duties they're constantly getting squashed they're constantly getting (laughs) ran over they've got some of the most pointless jobs so some of them are just walking fuel they literally walk straight into the furnace yeah throw themselves in then some are like sweeping cleaning this is my favorite one this is my favourite. <laughs> There's like they're just like cleaning, scrubbing up some goo off the ground. Yeah, and then a massive steamroller comes and squishes them. Yeah, so we're they're sweeping up the mess, and then they're <laughs> ad- being added to the mess when they ran over. Literally the most important, uh, like pointless job in existence. Well, what's what's nice is they they're quite they're like soulless automatons, uh, but then they occasionally do little bits of character. Yeah. So there's one bit where. They've stacked up all these like monolithic bricks, and one of them just leans on it, and it all topples like dominoes. And, oh, for God's sake! But the best one is two guys watching this happen, and they're just like, mm. and then <laughs> you hear a chain, boom! And they stop, and they get crushed, and we both broke out laughing. But compare that 
to a moment shortly afterwards when the assassin navigates this horrible city labyrinth thing and he's spotted by a little one and it's completely yeah. wordless completely you know the, the assassin's wearing a mask this guy doesn't have a face and they just look at each other and then the big noise happens the little one looks away the assassin runs away and the little one then gets trampled in a horrific scene of a great hell beast of different just this limbs. horrific creature and we're both like oh god it's harrowing it was a moment of the creature wanted to go with the guy and I kind of got the feeling that he sensed life and a, new, a different fate with this guy he, if he follows him there's something mm. else oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on his path but he, no it was snatched away from him he just became fodder just like all the other ones yeah it was sad it was sad. Very, very sad. And it was quite a long, drawn-out death as well. Yeah. It really there's a lot of this. There's a lot of long segments where there's just misery just piled upon misery. Mm. Just, seen, just long scenes of just a character walking through. And you see like the occasional panicked eye looking around. and mm. It's a real, real depiction of a sort of nightmare vision of hell. In a very, in a very as you said, Terry Gilliam way. Mm. There's something about it that reminds me of... There's a bit of Brazil in it. Yes. Lots of pipes and screens. and But more so, it reminded me a lot of the evil from Time Bandits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this real... Like, in Time Bandits, there's this very affable villain who's sort of Satan, but he's living in this sort of industrial wasteland. And one of the things he says is how... When I have the map, I will be free... And the world will be different, because I have understanding. Uh, understanding of what, Master? Of digital watches. And soon I shall have understanding of video cassette recorders and car telephones. And when I have understanding of them, I shall have understanding of computers. And when I have understanding of computers, I shall be the supreme being. God isn't interested in technology. He knows nothing of the potential of the microchip or the silicon revolution. Look how he spends his time. Forty-three species of parrots. Nipples for men. Slugs. Slugs! He created slugs. They can't hear. They can't speak. They can't operate machinery. I mean, are we not in the hands of a lunatic? If I were creating a world, I wouldn't mess about with butterflies and daffodils. I would have started with lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird how similar they are. Yeah. And not to discredit Phil Tippett. Clearly, this is a vision of his that he's worked on for decades. But it's such a, a crossover. Yeah, I totally. It's kind of bizarre. Almost like, would they have ever run into each other? Yes, it's interesting. I wonder if they're of similar age and experience similar kind of influences. Mm, maybe. I was so immersed with the Assassin's journey. I was so immersed. And... Without meaning to spoil too much, he kind of fails in his mission um, and he's kidnapped and he's taken away in a rather... And he meets a rather gruesome sort of... We just talk about the surgery scene. Yeah, yeah. This is... Well, this the, is the, the first half of the surgery scene. Yeah. So it... He gets dragged away, horrific, horrible, horror, horror. And then it cuts to like a red curtain that opens and there's audience members... And they're watching this guy get like injected and 
strips of all his belongings. And there's people just like laughing. Yeah, they're enjoying it. It's a spectacle to them. But they're, they're seeing this Who are this these man people? Practice. Where did they come from? Yeah. Who are they? Who are they? They're watching. I mean, the whole thing is is very wary. And I don't know, are these people just on the sidelines? There's people who don't have to get involved? Like are, Maybe. The bourgeoisie. The bourgeoisie, yeah. So there's all these, all this suffering from the the third world and the working class, and you know people going to their deaths, and there's just these people watching and, yeah. and laughing. Just the a spectacle. Second half of the surgery scenes where things got really bleak. Yeah, but the, that's the thing. Like, I, I, if there's one criticism I have of this film, I think it's for my own selfish want of the film to actually just be an hour and a half of the assassin wandering through different levels and just seeing. I was so. It's almost like immersive. That's first third. It was so I was so into it, and I just wanted it to keep on going and going. I think you can see what what that is is you've seen the line of where he stopped making it and then yeah. started making it again. Yeah, I yeah. think that's where the that's the you can almost tell that there's three acts, and it's not a three act structure. It's an ongoing. There's no there's no peaks and troughs. There's no climax. There's no break into the second act. It's very much. Well, three, you could argue maybe four or five very individual stories. Yeah. So that kind of comes to an end. And then we see a bit outside of that world. We get a reveal of what's above all of this. And then we come on to the next assassin who enters on his own journey, which is much more war much more surface level, less going into the depths of bowels of hell. Yeah. More trying to avoid being blown up by giant monstrous for those listening who know Warhammer 40,000 it looks like Warhammer 40,000 lots of skulls lots of rust lots of big tanks and engines lots of explosions yeah it's very much your exaggerated World War 1 fantastic sound effects as well war sound effects Well, well let's talk about the sound effects so throughout the film there's lots of sounds because there's no dialogue. The music's kind of gentle and atmospheric. So the sound effects really pop. And I don't know whether this is just because it's me and I use sound effects and I look at libraries and I have a collection of sound effects, but I recognise all of them. Mm. And I recognise them as commonly used sound effects. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. I mean, I, I recognise... You've heard some Goldeneye. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The, the sound effects I heard and recognised were ones that I haven't heard in a very long time. Okay. Like, the the whole pew, I haven't heard that in a film in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> where do they go? How many war films? I've seen so many war films and I haven't heard a single pew. Uh, yeah, I mean, because I, I, the trains were from Trainspotting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, there's a lot of, all the monster sounds... I could tell what animal it's from. Right. And I don't know, again, is that just me? Or is that a failure in the blending of the noises? Oh, uh, maybe. Because Star Wars, most of the, you know, all the sound effects are from real life things or animals. But they mix it in such a way we can't tell. Yeah, like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park is an elephant mixed with something else. Right, something exactly like, yeah. that, exactly that. This, I could really hear there's a lion, mm. there's a monkey... You know, I could re- it, could, it jumped out at me. And, and I don't know, that sort of took me out slightly. I think there's a sound mix. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But again, is that just me? Because I do, you know, I've got more of a knowledge of it you now. You fish around a lot, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. 
orchestrator of your own demise there. <laughs> maybe, maybe. It'd be interesting to hear if someone else has similar feelings who don't have that as a background. But yeah. Um, there's a... I, I mean, we did a bit of research afterwards and there's a lot like... You'd have to really... I mean, we could... We could watch this whole film and we could not... Um, you know, we could not like do any research and we would come to a vastly different conclusion to what he really wanted and what he was really saying. Yeah. Like, I didn't get, well, from what I've read, there's a scene when there's a horrible torture of surgery and all of these books and jewelry are uh, being pulled out of the guy. And apparently the books that he's been pulled out are meant to be secrets of war. And um, I, I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years. We were going down the tangent of their life memories and life lessons and things to... I wonder, and I suppose it death of the author and all that it'd be a shame to rub out perception of what we were picking up on it because i think we had a much more spiritual interpretation of it. this Definitely. is hell yeah you know bloody but so therefore if you're p picking gold coins out of someone's chest cavity it implies you know the worth of the human body that's kind of where i got to yeah uh but what we're reading is that actually it was more of a literal was he just hiding gold in his body? Yeah, yeah. Eh? Because, yeah, cause I think you, I prefer my one. Yeah, you you come to so many different... Like, uh, you, you could perceive it as when, when someone dies, it's not so much about mourning, it's about what can you take from them, what what is now yours, what can you get in the will? You yeah, know. yeah. Because I think the literal... What the literal translation... I'm reading this as well. It's a hellish world, not yeah. hell. Right. This is a world that's been ruined with war. This is more of a Doctor Who plot. Like, the wars have caused such destruction and madness that people have mutated into creatures and blah, 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 blah. And so it's just a war. And so they're going into enemy lines to blow stuff up. Yeah. We're reading it as he's going to try and kill God. Yeah. You know, and I suppose the name doesn't help. But is it... I think it's almost worth going into this with as little... Back... Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> it's always worth going into as literal knowledge as possible. And we're, I'm sorry that we may have spoiled that yeah. while I was listening. It's uh, yeah, it's it's cool to think of it as um, he like hell and evil has infected this beautiful planet, and now the last legion of heroes must yeah. boldly go into the depths to blow it up and kill them and claim back their planet. That's kind of a more, I guess it's it's a B movie we'd write, but um, well, I may, I, do you know what? It's funny you say that. I was literally thinking. How would you do a heist film in oh, hell? Hell heist. Hell heist. Wow. Now that... Can we trademark that? Yeah. I think actually that would be really good. Hell heist, man. <laughs> Dude. So obviously what we saw, there was there are things that made me led us down that path. It felt like going into the underworld, all that. But what if it was literally going into the underworld to recover... Someone or something that's been yeah. lost to hell. That'd be awesome. Someone's saying, you need to go and get this package. I know what part of hell it's in. And they mm. get down to a package, and it's not a package, it's a person. And they have to take a soul back out of hell. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere between Escape from New York and... The Transporter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Wow. Escape from New York, Transporter, and uh, Dogma. Yeah. You gotta like he's gotta bribe a little demon along the way yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. and becomes his kind of and as you go to sound descend each level the essence go 
maneuver his way through it. Yeah. The devil's some really kind of... Get me my soul back! <laughs> and it's like it becomes a chase back up the levels of hell. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, that's... Best film idea ever. Shut ever up, shut up, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Terrible idea. Don't yeah, steal oh it. God, bad. Who would do that? I might actually try and write it something. Like <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we need to talk about the heavenly garden paradise scene <laughs> yes because throughout this film it is nothing but grim and decay and flesh and feces and gore and fear and, fear, and pain and misery pain and wide eyes yeah wide with agony and then out of nowhere well there's a bit towards the end it all gets a little bit nicer yeah we meet hoggle from labyrinth and then we cut to he feeds he tips some maggots into a jar and then we follow the maggots into the jar into a beautiful paradise. It's like a... And the music eases off. It's like a magic mushroom kind of... I don't know if you've seen Tenacious D, The Pick of Destiny or it's like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Vibrant greens and purples. Well, you said... Rob said, oh, please be a musical number. Yeah. And the moment you said (laughs) that, I I pictured the... Oh, what are they? The pom-pom birds from Labyrinth. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have a little bit of dancey fun. A bit of whimsy. And we did. We got some nice whimsy. We got some cute little uh, In the Night Garden-esque. Yeah, beings. A mother and child. Yeah, a mother and child. Eating their maggots. Oh, having a lovely time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then what happens? Uh, A door opens and this horrible spider crab flesh creature comes in. The mother screams, the child begins to get very worried. The mother runs away, fear overtaking her maternal instinct. <laughs> the bug grabs the, the innocent child and drags it screaming out of the paradise. Meanwhile, there's just a bunch of cricket aliens playing cards. <laughs> just watching. Yeah. Little shrimp guys. And it's just that <laughs> just a small little moment of of uh Yeah. That was weird. Escape, and then no, there's horror. <laughs> there's horror for these guys as well. There's no yeah, escape in this yeah. world. And then it all gets a bit weird. And I don't think we should go into the the very ending. No. But it all gets quite. It, What's the word? The last bit. Metaphysical. It's like I don't know. If I was following along, in fairness, to what they're what this is telling me. I did sort of get what they were going for, but it just it just it was a bit too much. There was an alien spaceship, and it there went, was an alien spaceship, and the effects all of a sudden went kind of bad CGI for a while. But it looked like the intro to Further Off from the Sun. Yeah, um, I don't know if you've seen the Twin Peaks, the final series. No, I haven't yet. Really, really good. I need to watch it all from the beginning. Yes, you do. I'd I'll happy. Do you know what? I w- journey with you. Do you know what we should do? We should rent a cottage somewhere. Yeah. In Itchadoni or somewhere like that, where it's, where it's raining. Oh. Just watch all the Twin we just watch all the Twin Peaks with pie and coffee. Pie and co- that's it, and that's yeah. all we eat and drink. It's about, yeah, um, and, a, and, a, and a dwarf. Uh, yeah, and a dwarf <laughs> and a, and a log lady. Um, oh man, yeah, I need to watch that again. Best best TV series of all time, I think. But um, yeah, there's there's a scene in uh, the, in I think the final series of of the new stuff where there's a nuclear montage of mm. like the horrors of a of, of a nuclear bomb I think is the metaphor of it constant patterns and explosions and effects and warps 
Um, it's very scary, and it's only images, and it's only sort of blurs and stuff, but it's, it's very similar to what, what he's done here. Um, the idea of rebirth through utter destruction. Yeah, yeah, big time. Uh, very, uh, yeah, very spooky. Yeah, but it, it was, um, I don't know if it's like he didn't know how to end it, but it, it was a kind of, well, it kind of went with the theme of the rest of the film, is that it wasn't, you know, it, well, there was, like you said earlier, there was no solid plot, and there was no so, sort of definitive no story. Structure. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what it felt like, the ending just felt like another part. Yeah. It didn't, it kind of just ended. And it's worth saying as well that uh, we, had, we hit pause about an hour in, and it was like, are we only an hour in? Yeah. This is the longest hour. And I don't say that in a bad way. Some films you feel like... It, this is the longest hour I've ever spent in my life. See Suspiria remake as a good example of that. This, I didn't feel like the hour was spent badly. It just felt very long. Yeah. I think partly because there was so much to take in throughout yeah. the film. There was just so much to absorb and pay attention to. That it could easily have been three hours that we sat down. Well, it was a continuous... There was no rest, really. There was no point where the movie told you to rest. It's not like no. you watch a romantic comedy and you're like, okay, that was that scene. Now we're moving on to this scene. And here's the next scene. It wasn't broken up. It was It was one continuous... Well, a couple, you know, like... A, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Show. It was yeah. one continuous thing where they were jumped back and forth and there was a, a time element plays towards the end as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting film, and it's only available on Shudder, uh, which you can get via Prime. I've said it before, definitely get Shudder. There's so much good stuff on there. But would you recommend them getting that to watch Mad God? I, I, honestly, I loved it. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a beautifully crafted film. I think uh, if you're a, you know, if you're interested in your cinema and you want to see a master at work. That's the key. That is the key phrase there. I think. Actually, yeah. yeah. Regardless of how you feel about the plot, you're watching a absolute genius playing in his own playground. Yeah. And it's wonder. And it's and you're watching it and you're trying to work out how he did it. Yeah. Oh, totally, you know, totally. is it is are these composites? Are they actually doing all of this in one shot? Yeah. You know, it's absolutely mad. There are moments, that, the especially you know in that first journey there were moments where I'm, I was so in the film I was just so I was taking all of it in I was so excited to see it I, I, it just had my entire uh, attention and I haven't felt like that from a movie perspective in, in quite a long time actually it's probably the, like not the whole film didn't do it don't get me wrong but there are elements of that film which completely and utterly gripped me so yeah I'm trying to think of the last film that did that to me it's a long time ago yeah under the skin I don't know yeah like it just yeah you just watch it you, yeah it was uh... and I think what we what we struggled with initially and we learnt to deal with later on was don't try and work it out just, just experience it just experience it and have a think about it afterwards maybe but yeah uh, I also would recommend this film big time uh, if you're into film if you're into stop motion you must have already seen it because you'd be mad if you hadn't yeah Special effects wise, this is just an incredible work of art. I can't see how, if you're, if there's, if I'm sure film courses across the country and anima animation courses across the country are probably going to shove this into their essential viewing. 
I wouldn't be surprised. It's funny, I was thinking this as well. This is one of the longest of films that I think we've reviewed on our podcast that I wish I saw at college. Yeah. Totally. That would have blown me away at 16, 17. Mm. Yeah. Just seeing what, you know, how what we're capable of if something like this goes Which to the right how far hands, you can push you, it, you know. You know. Far, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can really, really go crazy with this film. But yes. Uh, so, yep. Absolute recommendation. Mad God. It's a work of art. If you're at all interested, do watch it. There's so much we can't even begin to cover. Because one... We can't. There's no audio clips to use. Number two, we can't show you the visuals. Number three, you just have to experience it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's really the bottom line of it. But yeah, that's kind of the end of our chat about it. Unless there's anything you want to add? No, no, that's all good. I am, I am done. I'm done. <laughs> Ready for bed. Classic. Okay, good. Well, thank you so much for listening. Check out Mad God if you can. Check out Neighbours, the last episode. <laughs> oh my god. You'll be yes. crying. Bring your tissues. Uh, yeah, if you like what you hear, do check us out on uh, Instagram and Twitter at at Holodale Media. And if you say that last bit, and uh, if you if you like what you see, you want to see more, and you want to support us, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Holodale Media and just donate very small bits of money to us each month. <laughs> Yes, where you'll be seeing lots more updates coming soon of some upcoming projects, which we will be working on soon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, well done, England, and uh, good, good night all. Good night. Bye-bye. How do you begin to describe a street? Do you talk about the houses, the bricks and the mortar, the gardens and the trees? Or do you talk about the people? The young, the old, and everyone in between. Where do you begin with the history? Do you start with your own or those who came before you? When we moved to Ramsey Street, the community was already here. The Ramseys and the Robinsons. The stories from those early days are legendary. And their legacy still lives on today. There have been many families over the years of all shapes and sizes some of them unexpected and friends who became like family whether they were related or not love has always been a central theme how many romances were born on this street things seldom ran smoothly of course but they usually worked out in the end I think of all the people who never crossed paths, who could have been great friends. And those who kept turning up, whether we welcomed them or not. The street always has a way of bringing people back. Then I think of the people who can't come back. The people gone too soon. How would they look? if they were still alive today, if they'd been allowed to reach their potential. So many people that were lost, and then others, others who were just lost. I think you have to acknowledge everything, celebrate it all, the good, 
the bad, because all of that makes us who we are. Everyone deserves a place in the history of Ramsey Street, even those who watched us from afar. Together, we have been Susan, the perfect blend. Susan, hey. where were you just now? I was home. Thank <laughs> you.